Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, NLH. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. It's such a joy and a privilege to be with you sharing the word another time. It's not something I take for granted. And I, I give thanks to God for this opportunity. Um, I want to start with the opening scripture, which comes to us from Matthew 5 and verse 13. And I'll be reading from the NIV version. And it reads as follows. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And the title of my message to you this morning is Be Salt. Simple title. Be salt. And in laying the foundation for what I want to share today, I want to look at the, the functions of salt, a few of the functions of salt. In scripture, we see salt being used as a covenant. Salt is known in scripture to be a form of covenant. And I found three places in the Old Testament. There could be more, but I found three where the scripture mentioned covenant of salt. The first is in 2 Chronicles 13, verse 5, which says, don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Leviticus 2, 13 says, season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. And the other reference comes from Numbers 18, verse 19. I won't bother to read that one. You can make a note of it. Salt is used as a preservative, which means it is instrumental in making things last longer. So when we say covenant of salt, it, is simply, um, it simply means that the covenant is perpetual and not to be broken. So, so, so that's salt in the context of covenant of salt. Another purpose of salt is nourishment. And what happens to our bodies if we do not eat salt or we do not have enough salt? In severe cases, low sodium levels in the body can lead to muscle cramps, nausea, vomiting, and dizziness. And eventually, a lack of salt can lead to shock, coma, or even death. But what is interesting is that severe salt loss is very unlikely to happen to us because the typical diet contains more than enough salt. So, so, so those, those effects that I mentioned earlier are unlikely to happen in the average human being because we consume enough salt in our, in our regular intake. Now, this is where I want to now go into the meat of the matter. And the first point I want to make to you this morning concerns salt as a flavor enhancer. Salt is a flavor enhancing agent to food. Adding salt to food helps the molecules in those foods to be released, enhancing the flavor of the food. Note. Salt does not add flavor, it releases flavor. 
what really happens is that salt releases flavor by breaking the cell walls in vegetables, fruits, and meats. And because of this, it allows us to enjoy the natural flavor of foods. As the cells break down, the process releases the unique aroma and flavor in food. And so I want us to go back to the opening scripture and we want to look at it in a different translation. And I want to look at it in the, the Message Bible translation. And the Message Bible translation reads, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt. Okay, okay, let's go. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. That's an interesting translation. So as children of God, our job is to enhance the flavor of the world around us. So my question to you today is what difference is your presence making? Are you being deliberate? Are you being intentional about being the flavor enhancer that God has positioned you to be? What is your motivator as you get up and go about your business each day? Is it to chase after the possessions and the pleasures of this world? Is it to gratify the flesh and feel good about your accomplishments because you're climbing the perennial ladder? or you feel good because you're able to check off the bucket list of things that you desire to accomplish, the house, the car, the wife, the husband, the children, the vacations, money in the bank, the investments, all of that. And, and nothing is wrong with desiring and working towards having a comfortable life and earthly possessions. But my challenge to you today is what impact are you having as a child of God on the world around you? How are you enhancing the environment in which you live and function? Are you demonstrating the, the fruits of the spirit? The fruits of the spirit is one way of bringing out the flavor of God to those around you. Can those around you see the fruits of the spirit in operation in you? And, and let, let's go over what those fruits of the spirit are. First one is love. Do you show love to those with whom you come in contact daily? And I'm not just talking about your family. Are you loving to your colleagues? Are you loving to the homeless person that you pass on the street? Are you loving to those persons that bad drive you on the road? Are you loving to that colleague that is a thorn in your flesh? What, what about joy? Are you a joyful person? Can somebody who knows you well enough say that? that is a joyful person. And I'm not talking about happiness, I'm talking about joy. Joy that you feel irrespective of the circumstances that you're in. How about peace? When the storms of life are raging about you, is your disposition one of peace? Or are you disturbed and, and, and discombobulated? Is that what somebody who knows you will say about you? That boy, I know everything that 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 lady or that man is going through, and boy, that peace, the peace that is on them must be from God. That's only, only God can provide that kind of peace because I know the storm that they're in. And the others we know: patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are the persons who are around you every day experiencing something different because you are present? Are they feeling, sensing your flavor? Are they tasting the flavor of God that you're bringing out in your environment? Our very essence as children of God is to be salt and light. And, and most of us have probably grown up hearing this scripture about salt and light. But how, how often have we stopped to dissect it? Have we ever stopped to dissect it and understand what it really means to be salt and light? Are you bringing the godliness out in others? Are you an encourager or are you a discourager? Do you offer constructive criticism or do you offer destructive criticism? Colossians 4 verse 6 says, let your conversation be full of grace, be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Do you speak words of affirmation over your family, your friends, your co-workers, or do you tear people down? Can those around you say that a conversation with you will leave them in a better place? Or would they say that a conversation with you leaves them in a worse place? Are you a gossiper? Are you a backbiter? And these things that I'm pointing out may sound simple and mundane, and it may be tempting for us to gloss over them and say, but these are everyday things. But think about this. If God cannot trust us to be salt in the everyday things of our lives, how can he trust us with more? Many of us are sitting and waiting on the promises and the manifestations of things that we're praying for. But what are we doing in the here and now? Are we so self-absorbed that we've lost the desire to make a difference in our corner of the world, whatever that corner of the world for you is? Are you so busy chasing after the dream that you lose sight of your purpose as a child of God? Or do you allow the challenges and the pressures of your everyday to discourage and distract, distract you? We can find all kinds of excuses not to be world changers. But your present trials and difficulties are not an excuse to be sit, to, excuse to sit locked up in the cupboard. That's where you keep salt in the cupboard when you're not ready to use it. The salt shaker is placed on the table and it's made available because the chef or the restaurant owner or whomever it is knows the value of the salt. Are you making yourself available on the table? to be that change that is needed in your environment. Matthew 5 verse 14 continues. We read 5.13 earlier. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in addition to being salt, a flavor enhancer, we're called to be light. Acts 13 verse 47 says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Last week we were taught about the importance of evangelism and how to effectively evangelize. 
And one of the things that will stick with me from that message is that not every believer is called to be an evangelist, but every believer is called to evangelize. Are you evangelizing? Evangelizing is one of the ways of being effective, one of the ways of being salt and light, the salt and light that you're called to be. And in the natural, a lack of salt causes the effects that I mentioned earlier on the physical body. And so it is, if us as the salt of the earth are not doing what we're called to do, there will be a deficiency in the world around us. And deficiency is what we're witnessing now. Corruption, lust, idolatry, wickedness, evil actions of men towards each other, homosexuality, gender identity confusion, and the list continues. We can name, we can name, keep going on and on and on. And as Christians, we're, we're quick to highlight how wicked and evil men have become. We're quick to speak about the increasing degradation of our society and the wickedness of man. But have you stopped to ask yourself, what are you doing about it? In my introduction, I mentioned about the deficiency that happens in the physical body. But I also said that it is rare that it is unlikely to happen because we consume so much salt in our normal diet. So it's unlikely that those deficiencies can, should happen or would happen. But if you liken it to the spiritual world, we ought not to see the world in the state that it is in because there are enough of us believers to provide the salt that is needed to make a change in the world, to bring about the God flavors in the world. But we refuse to be effective because we're not making ourselves available to be, to be the salt that we're called to be. Matthew 9, 37 to 38 reads, then, his then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Will you make yourself available to be used in the field? Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. But is that truly our confession? Are we really not ashamed of the gospel? Or are we selective about when, where, and who we share the gospel with? Sometimes we may feel intimidated, we may feel nervous, we may feel inadequate, you name it. And we'll walk away from opportunities that the Lord has given us to share the gospel with those around us. And so we shy away from being the salt and the light that we're called to be. And I can speak firsthand to this from a recent experience. There's a workshop that I go to and a few chains up the road is another workshop that is owned by a friend of the one that owns the one I go to. And this person, is this, this man is a man, he loves to talk, very engaging and he talk, 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 if he gets the opportunity. And I've been to his workshop a few times to, to, to get um, some things done. And several times I've been in his presence and I have gotten that prompting to share the word with him, but I am I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I decide not to, why? Because he's Rastafarian. And I'm thinking in my mind, boy, Rastafarians are radical. 
And I don't know if, I, if I'm going to have what to counter if, if I say something to him and he comes back with, 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 a, with a response. I don't know if I, if, I, if I know enough to be able to respond to him. And, and so I decided, boy, I'm not going to say anything. That was a miss, several missed opportunities, not even one, several missed opportunities. And guess what? I got a call from one of the guys at the workshop two weeks ago that this man was killed, shot in his head in front of his workshop. And after I heard the news, my mind went back immediately to those days when I was in conversation with him and getting that prompting to share the word with him, but I chose not to. And I went to his workshop um, just this Friday past to do something. As a matter of fact, I went to the other workshop, but the guys weren't there, called and I, I found out that they were at his workshop. So I went up there and when I went up there, you know what they were doing? Six tradesmen, carpenters were building his coffin. And that thing shook me up. And I, I just, I had to stop and I had to I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for missing the opportunity to share your word with this man. And I don't know, I don't know if he ever had an opportunity to commit his life to the Lord. But what a missed opportunity because of fear. And this that I'm sharing is not a pleasant feeling. But I'm making the point because it's important for us to recognize that being salt means that our presence ought to make a difference when we leave an environment. If we allow feelings of fear and intimidation or doubt to prevent us from sharing the gospel, it means that we're relying on self and not God. Anytime feelings come into play, it is the flesh that is at work because we have the tool to overcome that. And the tool in us is the, is the person of the Holy Spirit. So what will be your decision today onwards? Will you be the salt that you're called to be? Will you be the flavor enhancer that the Lord has called you to be? My second point is the, the function of salt as a change agent. And I'm gonna ask you a question. Have you ever seen a slug in a garden? Have you ever seen what a slug does to a garden? A slug is slow, but it is destructive. It will eat away at your plants until eventually all you have left is just stock. And interestingly, that is how this message came about. I was watering my garden one morning and I saw a slug on a plant. And my immediate thought was that I need to get some salt because I know what salt does to slugs. I don't know how it works. And I'm gonna ask you a question in a minute. So I'm gonna encourage you to open your microphones. Sister Tishina, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you saw that message I sent earlier. Please check your, your chat. So I'm gonna ask you to open your microphones and I want you to answer this question. Have you ever put salt on a slug? And how would you describe the reaction after you put the salt on the slug? So open your microphones and, and I want somebody to answer me or a few persons to share. Go ahead, Shadine, I see your mic open. I've done it before, but um, I would say it shrivels up, it shrinks, like it's dying. Uh -huh. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you so much, Sister Shadeen. It's start to produce a lot of slime. It starts to re actually release a lot of slime because that it shrinks up, it starts to release. It's actually, the process is dying, one of dying. So it's releasing what is inside of it. Absolutely, both correct. Thank you so much. And when the Lord started speaking to me after I put the salt on the slug and I saw what was happening, I decided that I was going to research, do some research. Bear in mind, I said, I don't know how the salt worked, but I just know that the salt would work. And before I started the research, I thought that it was some great chemical reaction, some high science thing that would cause the slug to melt. That's what I call it, that, that, that slime that is released, that shriveling up um, that, that uh, Sister Shadid and Pastor mentioned. But when I looked it up, it was simple. And this is what I learned. A slug is made up of a lot of water. So when you put salt on the slug, the salt begins to pull water out of the body of the slug. And so the slug begins to dehydrate. And that slime that we see is the slug releasing water from its body to its skin because it's trying to release the water from the body to the skin to rehydrate the skin. But in the process of doing that, it is shriveling up, it is dying. So, so salt on a slug, think about this. The, and the, the, the picture of salt on a slug is very different from salt in food. Remember, we're coming from salt as a flavor enhancer, but we're now talking about salt on a slug. And this is where we see a radical difference in the purpose of salt. And for many of us Christians, this is where the rubber meets the road. And what do I mean by that? It is easier to be salt when enhancing flavor, where enhancing flavor is concerned. We're comfortable bearing the fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, generosity. You know, we, we, we make an effort to display the fruits of the spirit. Sometimes we may be comfortable sharing the gospel, but where it comes to more radical application of your salt, we become timid. Nothing about applying salt to a slug is pleasant. Nothing about applying salt to a slug equates to flavor enhancement. A slug will never be the same after salt is put on it. Applying salt to a slug brings about a radical change in its body. And as salt of the world, that is what we're called to do. And what do I mean by that? Just as the application of salt to a slug in the natural dries out the body of the slug, we're called to apply salt to the slugs the enemy has released into our world. If we do not stand in our authority as children of God, the enemy will continue to slowly wiggle its way into our society, into our families, into our workplaces, into our churches, our communities, and our country. And the result will be more of what it is we're seeing now the degradation and destruction, just like how a slug in the natural eats away at plants. That is how the enemy will continue to slowly eat away at the fabric of our society. Slug is from the family in science called gastropods. And it's a Greek double word. Gastro means stomach and pods mean foot. And slugs and snails are in the same family. 
So a slug is really a stomach on foot. It's one and only purpose is to move and eat. Its sole purpose is destruction. And that is like the enemy. John 10 says that he's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his sole mission. And unless we begin applying the salt that we are, we will continue to keep, the enemy will continue to slowly eat away at the fabric of our families, our businesses, our community, our country. And it is time as a body of Christ that we become righteously indignant and decide that we are going to be the agents of change that we're called to be. It's time for us to say enough is enough. Ephesians 6 tells us, tells us about putting on the armor of God. And if we're told to put on the armor of God, it means that it's warfare. Are you in battle mode? Are you in warfare mode? We have been called to arise, shine. But are you doing that? We cannot allow the devil to run rampant as we sit idly by and be passive. The slugs are eating away at our marriages. Husbands are acting the fool. Wives are acting the fool. Children are confused. Children are being taught and influenced by people who do not even believe that there is a God. Workplaces are being forced into accepting ungodliness as the norm. Even churches are now compromising. So what difference is your presence as a child of God making? And what will be your response as a salt that you're called to be? And you may be wondering, okay, so what do I do? How, how do I apply my salt? And so I'm going to go into some of the practical things. Let us look at the workplace. The workplace is where many persons spend half or more than half of their waking hours. The workplace is a means by which the enemy will wiggle his way into the lives of us as God, God's people to seek to frustrate, to intimidate, to threaten, and to weaken us as believers. So, so when you go to work, do you go armed with the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus and walk in the confidence that you will succeed and not fail? Walk in the confidence that because you are sought, you will bring a change to that environment. Some of you are living in torment because of your co-workers. Some of you are wondering if you're going to be successful at the job because you feel ill-equipped. But what are you going to do about all of this? When was the last time? you stood in your workplace and made some declarations over it. Even if it's you alone in an empty office. And, and, and this, this is a prayer that, that, that we can pray. Heavenly Father, as I enter this workplace, I bring your presence with me. I speak your peace, your grace, your mercy, and your perfect order in this office. I acknowledge your power over all that will be spoken thought, decided, and done within these walls. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that you have blessed me with. I commit them, I commit to using them responsibly in your honor. Give me a fresh supply of strength to do my job. Anoint my projects, anoint my ideas. Give me energy so that even my smallest accomplishment brings you glory. Lord, when I'm confused, guide me. When I'm burnt out, infuse me with the light of the Holy Spirit. May the work that I do and the way I do it bring faith, 
joy and a smile to all I come in contact with today. And the scriptures that back that up, you can make a note if you want to. Proverbs 16, 7. Proverbs 16, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 to 9. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 13. And another area that Satan wants to devour us is through attacking our children. And so we need to apply salt to bring about the change that we desire to see in our children. Lord, I pray my child would love you with, the, with the, their heart, their soul, and their mind. I pray my child will make wise choices in the face of peer pressure. Lord, bless my children. Give them hearts to follow after you. Prosper my children, Lord. Help them understand that following you is the greatest success. Let them leave vengeance to you, Lord. Let them not walk with the wicked, but with the righteous. Produce within them an attitude of integrity, giving their lives to giving their lives to giving glory to your name. Any plan by the enemy to change this narrative, I bind in the name of Jesus. The Lord shall contend with that which is contending with my children's destiny, counsel, and purpose. In Jesus' name. That is the kind of prayer that we, we, we need to start praying over our children. And that's coming from Ephesians 2, verse 10, John 10, 27 to 28, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, Matthew 22, verse 37, Psalms 25, verses 12 to 13. What I'm saying to us this, this morning is that it is full time that as believers, we start walking in the authority which we have as children of God. We're too passive and we're more inclined to sit idly by and watch the slug devour everything that concerns us. Instead of being the sort that we should be, we're quicker to run to our friends and complain about our circumstances. Be the sort that you're, you're called to be. Um, let us not walk around as wimpy, spineless, and impotent believers. We have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us that can bring about change. I did not know the science behind how the sword works, but I knew that it worked. And the beauty as Christians is that we do know what is inside of us. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit living in us. And we see that in, in, in John 14, 16 to 17. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it is neither because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. When you put salt on a slug, the slug doesn't decide that. Let me, let me, let me make a decision whether I'm going to respond to this salt. It has to respond. It must shrivel up. It must die because that is the power of salt. And so when you apply salt to this, your salt to the slugs that are in your life, the enemy has to respond. 
the enemy has to retreat because that is the authority in which you stand. So let us stop complaining and be the change agent that we're called to be as children of God. And, and I'm not only talking about your personal circle and your own situation. I'm talking about expansive application of your salt. And, and what do I mean by that? When was the last time you passed a stranger on the street and stopped to pray for them? Or passed a blind or deaf person on the street and laid hands on them and con command them to see or walk in the name of Jesus? And you may be saying, boy, can you go in a whole different direction? No, that's a different territory. Of course, yes, it is. And I am doing that because that is what we're called to do as salt of the earth. How, how dare we question that if we have it in us? How dare we question if we have that authority? How dare we think that, oh, but I don't have the gift of healing, so that is not my territory. Well, well consider this. And I want you to, again, open your microphones and, and answer me on this. Those of you are, who are in the States will even have a better appreciation of this than, than, than I do, and those of us in, in, the, in Jamaica and the Caribbean. Have you ever wondered why they use salt to be ice roads when it snows? And I want you to, it's not a rhetorical question, I want you to answer me. Have you ever wondered that? No, you never wondered. Do you know how it works? Does anybody know how salt works in the icing roads? Go ahead, Sister Shadeen. <laughs> no, um, I always wonder. I never, I never even stopped to Google how it works or so why. Okay. Now I'm thinking it, about it. <laughs> it. It is indeed interesting. And and in preparing this message. I started to research as, as, as the, the, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And one of the questions I, I pondered was, how can something solid and cold, because if salt is in the truck that as they're applying it, it's gonna take the temperature of the environment that it's in. So how can something solid and cold melt something that is also solid and cold? But interesting thing about salt, is that it's not about melting, but it's about freezing. And this is what I found out. Freezing temperature of water, as we know from, from primary or high school, is 32 degrees Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius. And so when the temperature reaches freezing point, free-flowing molecules get trapped into crystallized structures, and that is how ice is formed. Salt disrupts this process. How does it do that? On heating water, salt breaks up into two ions. One is sodium and one is chloride. And the two ions move around and take up space between the water molecules and push them apart. And so in pushing them apart, it frustrates the tendency to form ice. And this is called freezing point depression. So salt disrupts the molecules in ice and reverses what would happen in the natural. God is calling us to be disruptors. The salt in us is made to be disruptors. We have the Holy Spirit in us, just like the, 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 the sodium and the chloride is in the natural salt. 
we have this Holy Spirit in us, the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be disruptors in what is happening in our environment. So let us dare not question if we have what it takes to bring about the change that is needed. Let us dare not question if I have the authority to speak to the lame and the lame walks, or if I have the authority to speak to the blind and the blind sees. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18 says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. James, James 5.15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Listen to John 14, verse 12. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. So what do we say in a, in, in a situation where we come across somebody who is unwell? Lord, I stand in the authority you have given me as your child, and I curse the spirit of sickness in this person in the name of Jesus. I command blindness to go in Jesus' name. I command ears to open. I command these legs to move in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is the power and the authority that we have. That is the salt that we're called to be as change agents. Passivity and timidity have no place in us as the elect of God. And it is time that we start making some radical changes to the environment around us. The firmer we stand in our position as children of God, however, is the more the enemy is going to try to attack us. And so things may start happening in our lives because the enemy is gonna come and attack us. But we cannot allow the heat of the pressures that we're facing in our everyday realities to distract us or defeat us. You are salt and you have a job to do. The enemy cannot touch you unless God allows it. And if the Lord allows it, he has already equipped you to handle it. Yes, the flames will get hot, but guess what? Table salt in the natural, sodium chloride, the scientific name, is not flammable. I didn't know that until I was preparing this. It cannot be burned up. Think about it. If you put salt in water, it dissolves in the water and the water will taste salty. But when you boil the water, the water will evaporate. But guess what? The salt remains in the container because it cannot be burned, burned up. Salt won't melt until it reaches 2,575 degrees Fahrenheit. My brothers and sisters, we are the salt of the earth. We are to be salt wherever we go. The heat that we face may be high, but it cannot consume you. Everything around you will burn up. But as salt, you will be left standing because, because of the power of God that is inside of you. And some of you may be saying, boy, Karen, you don't, you don't know my circumstances. You, you can't relate to the fire that I'm in right now. But I'm still challenging you to be the salt that you're called to be. And 
I have another question for you. Have you ever thrown salt into fire? When you throw salt into fire, it changes the color of the flame. And why does that happen? It changes the color of the flame, not because the salt is burning, but because the heat of the flame changes the energy of the electrons in the salt. And this change releases photons of light. The heat of the flames release light from the salt. And so what am I saying? The heat of the flames of whatever you're going through is going to release the light of God that is on the inside of you. So don't sit there thinking that, boy, this heat is going to consume me. Don't sit there thinking that because of the heat I'm facing, I am not going to do what I'm called to do. I'm not going to be the change that I've been called to be. Because you have what is in you to counter the heat that, is, that, that, that you're facing. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So my encouragement today is not to lose focus and be distracted from doing what you have been called to do as a child of God. Even in the heat of your battle, be the salt that you're called to be. And my final point to you this morning is in the form of a question. What is the quality of your salt? Have you ever stopped to wonder or ask why the church today is not as effective as the church in the days of the Bible? When last have you heard of thousands being saved in a day? We saw that happening in Acts 3 verse 41. Or when last have you heard of people being brought, sick people being brought into the streets and laid on beds so that our shadow could pass over them? We see that in Acts 5 where people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds so Peter's shadow could fall on them. The salt that we have is no different from the salt back in the days of the evangelists and, 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 and the, the ministers that we speak about or, or, or heard our parents talking about, the Billy Grahams and, and those persons of, of those days. We're, we're no different, they're no different than us. When was the last time a family member came to you and said, I need you to pray for me because when you pray, I know something happens. When was the last time your co-worker came to you and said, lay hands on me and pray because I'm not feeling well and I know your prayer brings about healing. Think about this. Are your co-workers jostling to sit next to you because they know that your presence changes the atmosphere or change the atmosphere? It may sound far-fetched, but think about that. Is anyone asking to be scheduled on the, shape, the same shift that you're working on because they know that when you're present in the office space, something is different. The atmosphere changes. Appearance of your children's friends coming to you to ask you to pray, to ask you for advice because they see something different in your child and they, they recognize that you must be doing something different and something special. Yes, these things sound radical, but that is what should be happening. What is wrong in these days where we're not seeing the signs and wonders that we read about in the Bible? What is wrong now why our children are so deviant and wayward? What is wrong why there's so much turmoil in our workplaces? 
What is wrong why our businesses are not prospering? What is wrong why our families are being torn apart? Could it be that our salt has lost its saltiness? Is someone looking on you and thinking that I don't want what she has? I don't want what he has. That's not salt, that's MSG. I don't want that MSG in my body. Because it's a form of, but it's not the real thing. It's time that we start living and demonstrating that we have the real thing in us. Luke 14, 34 says, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has air, let them hear. So again, I ask, what is the quality of your salt? Natural salts without any additives can never go bad. Table salts with additives can lose their flavor and texture over time. Refined table salts contain iodine, and we know they add iodine because that's one way of supplementing it in our diets. And it's done to enhance flavor and to, as, a, as, as, a, as an additive to, to nourish our bodies. But these additives that are added to save table salt degrade the salt over time. And that is why table salts have a shelf life of approximately five years. And so that analogy I will use in the form of a question. Are you allowing impurities? Are you allowing stuff to contaminate your salt that is causing you to be impotent, that is causing you to have lost your saltiness? Let us be careful not to compromise on the things of God. In a bid to be successful by the world's standards, in a bid to fit in at work, in a bid to be like our friends, in a bid to make life better for our children, we sadly compromise and make decisions that we know are ungodly. And that compromise may come in different forms. It may be, it may be deceitfulness. It may be you're, you behave in a manner that is untrustworthy. It may be stealing. It may be fornication, pornography, lust, lying, cheating, pridefulness, unforgiveness setting up and worshiping false gods. And those false gods can come in the form of spouses, money, possessions that we put above God. And it may be none of the above, but if you are compromising, you know what that thing is that you're compromising. So as I wrap up, I want you to examine yourself today because this message is a message that requires a response. And the first question I want to ask you as I close is, are you salt? In Matthew 5, where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he was talking to his disciples. They were men who had made a decision to commit their lives to following him. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But you cannot be salt if you're not following Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But today in the here and now, you are getting an opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ. 
Romans 10 verses 9 to 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if that is you today, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning. And if you're on the Zoom platform and you wanna raise your hand, I invite you to raise your hand. If you're listening on Mixlr, you can acknowledge wherever you are. And I can't see everybody, so I'm gonna ask somebody to, to look and see if there's, there, there are any raised hands this morning. But whether there are any, if there are no hands raised on the platform and you're listening on Mixlr, or you may be listening to this recorded as a, a delayed broadcast, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say the sinner's prayer this morning. So I'm gonna invite you to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you this morning, or if that is you at some later date as you listen to this broadcast, I want to invite you to call or email us or send us a WhatsApp. 469-333-0397 or our email address is newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to speak with you, we'll be happy to welcome you to fellowship with us here at NLH and offer you guidance and counsel as you grow in the Lord.